I remember smiling at bad news. I still do sometimes. I can't help it. It just comes. I remember that our church believed that when the Bible said wine, it really meant grape juice. So at communion, we had grape juice and round, paper-thin white wafers that tasted very good, like paper. Once I found a whole jar full of them in a filing cabinet in the choir room, and I ate a lot. Eating a lot was not as good as eating just one. I remember the exact moment during communion that was the hardest to keep from smiling. It was when you had to stick out your tongue and the minister laid the white wafer on it. I remember that one way to keep from smiling during communion was to think real hard about something very boring, like how airplane engines work or tree trunks. I remember movies in school about kids that drink and take drugs and then they have a car wreck and one girl gets killed. I remember one day in psychology class, the teacher asked everyone who had regular bowel, who had regular bowel movements to raise their hand. I don't remember if I had regular bowel movements or not, but I do remember that I raised my hand. I remember changing my name to Bo Janard for just one week. I remember not being able to pronounce mirror. I remember wanting to change my name to Jacques Bernard. I remember when I used to sign my paintings by Joe. I remember a dream of meeting a man made out of a very soft yellow cheese, and when I went to shake his hand, I just pulled his whole arm off. It's a passage from Joe Brainerd's I Remember, published in 1970. I'd never read it before, um, partly why I cracked up in the uh, regular bowel movements stanza. Uh, I'm kind of familiar with Brainerd's work. And I thought of it after uh, we did last episode, uh, we mentioned Georges Perec in the Ulipo movement, which I thought was in the forties, but then I was reading more about Georges Perec. And I guess he was, it was more in the sixties that that movement happened. And Georges Perec had done his own riff on, I remember, um, I remember has sort of become like a template, um, for, creative writing and sort of a classic exercise. I don't think we did it in the experimental writing course that I mentioned, but it's really sort of taught a lot. And actually the, the afterword of this book that I'm reading from, um, on, on Google mentions, uh, mentions that says the beauty of it all is that Joe made it look so easy. And in some ways it is few people can read this book and not feel like grabbing a pencil to start writing their own parallel versions. The first I remember was published when Kenneth Koch was doing his pioneering work in teaching children to write poetry. Koch found that the I remember format was a natural for children. Since then, thousands of poets and teachers have used this format in classrooms across the country, sidestepping the sexual content when necessary. The I remember device has been promulgated in many books about writing, and yet most people are unaware of its origin. Of course, children have a lot less to remember than adults, and the content and tone of their work is usually different from that of grown-ups. But the most successful versions of I Remember, both by children and adults, show the same qualities as Joe's original. Clarity, specificity, generosity, frankness, humor, variety, a rhythm that ebbs and flows from entry to entry, and the sense that no memory is insignificant. Even the smallest one can exert a mysterious tug, and when it's clearly recalled, it can release a flood of other memories the way Proust's Madeline did. So I was revisiting I Remember and reading more about Brainerd, and more about Coke, and more about um, how this format is used in pedagogy. And it's funny because I just had a meeting with um, a superintendent or district admin, um, someone who was just sort of talking about 
what was fueling him and what he, what changes he wanted to see, um, in, in his schools. And he brought up an anecdote of remembering, um, learning about volume when a teacher, uh, brought a jar of jelly beans and said, and I guess this was at the time when pretty much every department store would have a big jar of jelly beans and, um, would give it away to anyone who could guess how many jelly beans were in there. And he said, okay, I'm going to teach you how you can win this anywhere you go. And, and that was the, the motivation that he gave students for learning about volume and was the jelly beans exercise or activity. And so basically he was sort of saying like, I remember that I want, I want to give, um, kids today activities that, that they'll remember 30 or 40 years from now. And that's, that's like a, a concept that's, that's always interested me. Um, I, I, I on my to-do list at some point is to invite my friends to tell me one thing, one academic thing that they remember from college. Um, college is just about 10 years ago for me. I graduated in 2008. And so I'm, I'm interested, you know, in asking my peer group, what's, if you just pick one thing, sort of grab one page from the textbook that you remember from any of your classes, what is it? Um, you know, for instance, for me, I, I took phonology. And so I remember the, the international phonetic alphabet and could easily, um, reteach that today in a page. But what do you remember? Do you remember one thing from contemporary Japanese pop culture? Does, um, a factoid about biology or atoms come to mind? I'm just curious sort of what's, what sort of made the cut of time. Um, and, and, and on top of that, I, I had done an exercise recently that was kind of spiritually similar to what the Mountain View superintendent was, was doing, which was like, got all these memories of elementary school. And I just wanted to sort of catalog them, um, which I did. And I'll read, I'll read a couple. I'll try to, you know, so these, these school memories are both curricular and extracurricular. Um, I'll try to read some of the ones that had some, some purpose um, in pedagogy. I'm also going to be reading from my notes, which are really scribbly. So I don't know how, how this will work out, but um, bringing home the class pet. So yeah, I think, uh, I think it was a gerbil. This was like second grade. And, and one, every kid would have a day or a week where they were responsible for that gerbil. Um, and I just remember sort of having a feeling of excitement, but also dread sort of anxiety about when it was going to be my turn. And I actually don't remember if it ever came up. I, I just, I can't imagine my parents being excited about me bringing home a gerbil. Um, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I do remember when the gerbil died because Mrs. Moss, our teacher made us all, um, oops, made us all, uh, have a moment of silence, uh, when we, when we did the Pledge of Allegiance. Also in second grade, I remember the wow jar, which was this fish bowl that the teacher kept, um, on her desk. And whenever we did something good, she would, oh, I'm so out of breath today. It's like, there's not enough air in here. Anyway, um, she would, she'd fill up the fishbowl with marbles. So everyone sits down promptly. Okay. That's a couple of marbles in the wow jar. And once the wow jar was full, we had an ice cream party. 
we did end up having an ice cream party or two during the year, but I remember once we were, we were being real jerks and she got so upset. She like threw the wow jar on the floor and there were like marbles everywhere. And she, uh, she made us pick them all up and then we had to start all over again. I remember making popcorn. We had, this is again in second grade, we had like these stations, um, where everyone was sort of, you know, you're responsible for one aspect of popcorn manufacturing. So maybe you were preparing the bags, maybe you were buttering the popcorn, maybe you were actually popping the popcorn and there were sort of these stations where rotating. Um, I remember coming to school after hours, um, for an art show. So everyone had one piece of art that they would display and we had a big exhibition where parents and teachers would come. And there's something so exciting about coming to school after hours at night. And there was a girl who I had a crush on and she had a crush on me. And I remember, um, she kicked me in the shins and then I kicked her back in the shins like really hard. And that was the end of our, uh, romance. I remember growing lima bean sprouts in plastic cups and putting them on the windowsill and with our initials and watching them over the course of the next couple of days grow. Um, I remember going outside to watch the solar eclipse and Ms. Wyrostek said not to look directly at the sun and I'd looked directly at the sun. I remember for around Halloween, we were doing a bunch of Halloween related stuff and one of the things we were supposed to do is weigh a pumpkin. So I, I, I was at the station weighing a pumpkin with Kyle Riley. I don't know why, but I remember jabbing him in the head with a pencil. And in my, my memory is that the pencil sort of stuck in his head, which I don't think is, is true, but he never, he never ratted me out. I remember keeping a journal um, over the course of many years in school. I remember those, those first journals were these sort of thin long paperbacks. One of them had a caterpillar on it. Um, and I remember kind of getting graduating up to the one with, um, smaller line heights. So once my handwriting was good enough, I got to kind of graduate into the, the, um, smaller line journal. And I felt proud of that. And then later, I think in fourth grade, I had this journal, um, sort of like a blue packet journal. And we got to do these collages to decorate the covers of our journals and laminate them. Um, and I think that was a, I think that was a private journal. Cause I remember some of these entries and they're pretty, um, personal. I wonder <laughs> maybe, maybe the teacher was grading them, but I wonder if, if everyone was, was as uh, open about their lives as I was, maybe, maybe other people's journals were a little bit more guarded. I remember writing books as early as kindergarten. Um, some of them solo and some of them in collaboration with, John Robbins, the John Robbins book that I remember was, uh, about Frankenstein. I guess he escapes from the lab and does all sorts of stuff. And I remember using a simile. I'm not sure if we, we were being taught similes, but anyway, he, Frankenstein at some point feels like he's getting sucked up by a vacuum cleaner. And I remember a computer science teacher coming over and our computer science teacher, I think was later convicted for, um, uh, I don't know what, what do you call it? I mean, uh, he's a sexual offender. He, he did something with kids. Uh, anyway, he, he, he came up to us and was like, how do you know what it's like to be sucked by a vacuum cleaner? I remember it was kind of like a weird, creepy moment. Um, I remember the mail delivery system that we had. So in, in kindergarten, um, we were able to write letters to each other, 
Um, and then someone would be the postal service for that week and they would deliver those letters to our little cubbies. And these little cubbies had our names and baby photos and they're like our little personal spaces. Um, I remember for some reason cutting out a circle and then one line, like the radius of the circle and then folding that piece of paper into a cone and making like a cone hat with a little propeller on the top. And that was from some book. Like there's some guy who wore that kind of multicolored cone hat with a propeller and flew around. Um, so those are, those are some memories. Obviously I could go on and on and on, but, um, I'm interested in, in that exercise. And I guess, you know, there's, there's a fear here, right? There's a concern that all this is just nostalgia. Um, and I think that's a legitimate concern. Um, and of course, like, well, why is, why is nostalgia even bad in the first place? Um, and I think, I think we're seeing a really good indicator of it, uh, right now in politics, um, with, you know, the slogan, make, make America great again, which is Trump's calling card. Um, you know, I think rather than saying too much about it, I I'll just, um, let South Park do the talking. If you haven't been following South Park this season, they've, they started having total arcs like episode arcs, season arcs. Um, and so in this season's arc, um, there's uh, a new fruit that's very addictive. Um, they're called member berries. And so here's, uh, an audio clip of, um, Randy Marsh, that's Stan's dad, um, eating member berries and, and starting to find out that there's something fishy going on with them. So that's, um, that's South Park. Uh, and yeah, so I think, I think, you know, what they're humorously getting at there is, is the danger of, uh, I mean, what our memories do to truth, right. And, and remembering with fondness, a past that probably never existed and certainly can't be, um, brought back to life unless you're, uh, JJ Abrams, JJ Abrams is the chief villain in this season of South Park because he's, he's, he's the one who's, um, sort of delivering this nostalgia, uh, promise. Um, so he's, he's making star star Wars and everyone thinks it's amazing. Um, and then our good guys are trying to remind everyone that star Wars, his star Wars reboot actually kind of sucked. And we just love it because, um, of how nostalgic we are for our past. Anyway, I, as I was digging up the member berries, um, clip, I, I was thinking, you know, it's funny that they're called member berries and Probably that's just one of South Park's many like fun little mm, twists on words. I, South Park is so good. Like they've always, I mean, they've always had that from the very beginning with Cartman saying like respect my authority and all these little, you know, MKs and, and little things. And so member berries, I remember, you know, not I remember when I was thinking about like etymologies and 
uh, I was curious, you know, the difference between or the relationship between remembering and, and member or membership. Um, I dug into it a little bit. Um, so, you know, member actually and, and remember don't have the same root. There's membrum, which is the, the root for member. Um, and it's really like part of a body. Um, it's a synonym of limb, which is kind of interesting. Like, um, limb and member, they're, they're very similar in, in their meanings and they kind of have two things going on. One is that it means I'm part of something. I'm, I'm part of a body. Um, but I'm also on the frontier on the edge of those bodies. And so for instance, you know, losing a limb is uh, disastrous, but often not lethal. You can go out on a limb. Um, and then you're really sort of on the edge. I think, you know, there's something interesting there. And then of course there's the limbic system, which is responsible for, um, our, our emotional. And I think that's sort of where, when we talk about the lizard brain, I think the limbic system is where that's housed. Um, of course there's member, uh, which is a euphemism for the sex organ going back to the 13th century. Um, and that's another place where oftentimes our less rational, um, thoughts are, are ascribed to, um, but anyway, all of that is actually unaffiliated with remember whose root is memoir. And so to remember, you know, is to, to bring back, um, thinking. So I just thought that was kind of a, a fun aside, um, the relationship between remembering and membership and, and, uh, emotions. Um, and so I think, I think all that stuff is very legitimate. And so I always regard Brainerd or my own exercises with a bit of suspicion, but, if you put that as suspicion aside for a second, or if you, or even if you kind of take it into account, I think there's still, there's still something powerful there, which is basically asking the question, um, what survived, you know, you, you have, you have so much input in this critical time of your life. And of course, there's many things that you don't remember that were super formative or super important, but there are things that you do remember that then sort of become iconic or, or, um, symbolic for you, whether that's the jelly beans in the jar or, or the wow jar or, or, um, learning about how plants grow by growing your own lima beans. Um, and I think it's a worthy exercise to, to just catalog these things and then see if you don't find some patterns and looking at my own memories, you know, there were, there were two patterns that really struck me like super obviously, which were just, um, one was, uh, like just the tactile physical interactions, right? These, these jelly beans, these marbles in a jar, these lima bean sprouts, um, the gerbil that you take home, um, all these really sort of physical things. I remember now that I'm talking even like, um, eggs, right? So like dropping an egg off the top of the building and trying to make sure that it survived the fall with minimal materials. Um, you know, I remember, I remember those exercises, those come to mind so much easier than anything else. And then the other thing is writing and writing, uh, as an author. So not, not turning in papers, but, um, feeling like feeling authorship and ownership over, over my writing. Um, you know, these books that we wrote, we had, I guess we had this sort of like binding machine. I don't know. I don't know how it was done, but we would pick out our little cover 
and this is his earliest kindergarten, but it lasted throughout elementary school. And um, a couple of days later, we would get our little book back and we could take that home and show it to our parents. And I still have a bunch of those books um, or the journals, like, you know, these, these sort of portfolios um, that we created were um, those, those feel much more durable and important and kind of get associated with my sense of self than all of the papers that I turned in that were turned back to me. Who, who owns those? There's either a feeling of no ownership or actually that the teacher owns it, you know, that the teacher receives it, marks it up and says, okay, your essay got, you know, a three out of 10. Um, and I, I, I don't think any of these patterns are, are earth shattering. I think probably if you were to look at the cutting edge of pedagogy, I think both of those patterns are well understood and continue to be um, emphasized, right? One is um, portfolios um, and sort of giving learners a feeling of authorship and ownership. Um, and then the other is just sort of like real world, physical, tactile learning, um, which again is somewhat related to that feeling of ownership, right? I mean, I had my lima bean um, and my lima bean was to some extent in competition with everyone else's lima bean. Um, I wanted mine to grow faster. Um, cool. So I think, I think we'll, we'll close there, but, um, I wanted to share some memories and some meditations on memory, um, and hopefully haven't, um, been too nostalgic in the process. See you next time.